This is Simple Ritz Radio, episode 49. And today we're talking about the black and white of health, and that is stress first rest. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Schurm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. A nutritionist by trade, Alexa has rebelled against common misconceptions about nutrition and has created a realistic health style that will allow you to live a healthy, satisfied, and more simplistic life. It's raw, it's real, it's unfiltered. It's Simple Roots Radio. And now your host, Alexa Schurm. Welcome back to this podcast. I'm your host, Alexa. And as always, I just wanted to remind you that this show is dedicated to simplifying your health, allowing you to live with more purpose, more joy, and ultimately achieve the lasting health you've been looking for. While it seems complex and overwhelming, my passion is to help you break it down in the basics and live a simplistic and healthy life that you enjoy. So today we're going to break down the importance of rest-based living and the difference that stress first rest has on your body. So sit back, kick up your feet, and just relax while you learn how beneficial that can be to meeting your health goals. Today, we're going to uncover the black and white of stress, what rest-based living means, and how this could change everything about your health. I can tell you this is the new way to do health, and it's so different than what we're used to. So hang on, write down your questions, and together let us develop a plan to achieve the abundant life we've been looking for. And as we go about today's show, I wanted you to know that I've created a five-day hormonal reset guide that can help you get your hormones back in the natural flow and get your metabolism back in check. It will allow you to feel better in just five days, and there is so much good information inside. I hope you'll check it out, especially as we go through the show and you think, yes, this is for you. To learn more about the program, just head on over to the show notes at simpleritzwellness.com slash 049. Now, let's get right to the show. Today is all about busyness. Work harder, no pain, no gain, just keep going, don't stop. I know it all, I've lived it all. In fact, this is the very thing that has strapped me and caused me to plummet into a spiral that eventually led me to hit rock bottom. But it's so true, it's the way of the world, right? Work harder, work longer hours, keep going, don't stop. In businesses, we see people working 60, 70 hours a week, doubling their work week. At home, we see chaotic schedules and kids running all over the place, and we're starting to even get ourselves here. But for what, right? The way of the world tells us that we won't be successful unless we work harder, longer, and to push through. And it's the same in the diet world, that the only way you're gonna find success is if you beat your body into submission. If you over-exercise, if you under-eat, if you deprive, restrict, and starve yourself, that is the answer. But my friend, it is so much not. And it's exactly why so many of us dread the diet, right? We stress over the diet and that's why we have last supper mentality where you binge on all the things before you you jump into the next diet, right? It's all a mentality. And this week on my email list, which you should sign up for if you haven't, by the way, you can sign up over at the show notes, but you should sign up for it because this week I talked about my own journey of hitting rock bottom of hearing some of the worst news that I never imagined that I would and wondering how in the world I got there. It's this information that honestly, not a lot of people know, not even some of my closest friends because I was too prideful to share because I was the nutritionist. I was supposed to have it all together and here I was the one sitting in the doctor's office waiting to hear the news of what my actual diagnosis was. You see, just over a year ago, I found myself walking into urgent care. I was tired, I was really sick, I was having trouble breathing, 
I had probably some kind of bronchitis and eventually found out maybe some sort of mono. Anyways, I was really, really sick. I had a fever for multiple days on end and I had waited, right? I pushed my body, I didn't wanna go, and so I waited. And finally I walked into urgent care, my tail between my legs to find out what was wrong. That doctor didn't really find anything and kind of sent me home with a steroid and told me if I wasn't getting better to come back. Well, it was a few days and I wasn't getting better. And so I went back to the doctor and back to the doctor. And finally, I ended up going to this health practitioner um, where she started to really look at the inside. And as I drug myself in there multiple times a week to get treatments, to try to bring me back to life, to try and get myself energy and also get myself answers on probably what I would consider one of the scariest moments of my whole health journey, I was sitting in her office and she was legitimately concerned that I had a mass in my stomach. And right before this, I had had blood work taken and we had just gotten the results back and it showed that my immune system was really, really low. Like my white blood cell count was really, really dangerously low and we didn't know why. And so as she was doing x-rays to try and figure out if there was some kind of mass going on in my stomach and I sit there and I'm wondering, gosh, she's looking for cancer. They think I have cancer. They think something's really wrong with me. And I'm sitting there all alone because they didn't take anyone with me and I'm questioning all of this and I'm worried and I'm starting to panic and I think I sent my husband a panic text like, I don't think this is good. You know, they're really starting to show some concern here. I don't know what's going on. And as she barges back into the room and she says, and I will never forget this, she says, you know, you can't keep doing this to yourself. And I'm thinking, what? What can I keep doing to myself? I'll I'll do anything at this point, right? I don't want to be here. I'm terrified. I'm scared of what's going on. I don't feel well and I just want to be better. And I said, what? I can't keep doing what? And she says, you can't keep pushing your body. You can't be everything to everyone and you can't keep doing everything. It's killing you. An initial anger set over, right? And all these excuses came flowing from my mouth. But I have to. I have kids at home. I have a business to run. I I have a family to take care of. My husband works at corporate America. And so his job is less than flexible. And it's my responsibility. It's my responsibility to do all this. And I can do it. And she said, no, you can't. It's okay to ask for help. My pride got in the way of my healing But that's what the world told me to be. I had to push through in order to be successful. I had to push through in order to be the mom and the wife and the business owner that I wanted to be and the friend that I wanted to be. When in fact, everything seemed to crumble during this time. But being the natural rebel at heart, I wanted to prove her wrong. But as the weeks continued, more tests came in and I got slapped across the face with more blood work that showed just how sick I was. I got a kidney infection and all these things started to happen. I really had pulled away from almost all of my friends at this time because I was just too tired to reach out. I was too tired to talk to anyone. I was a heap on the bathroom floor, keeping it together throughout the day as best that I could to watch the kids and run my business and just falling apart, being a mess in the bathroom every single night, waiting for my husband to pick me back up and drag me to bed, to put me to bed, only to wake up and repeat this whole vicious cycle over and over and over. I was a mess and I didn't want to believe it. In fact, there was one point I sat in the same practitioner's office and she goes, you are more sick than you are letting yourself believe. And that is so true. Even to this day, I have a hard time imagining how down my body was and how hard I had pushed it. And the fact is, if she hadn't have kept pushing me to get better, to let myself rest, to ask for help, I believe that I would have kept pushing my body and pushing my body until I reached something, a diagnosis maybe that I could never get rid of. But it was in that time that I had this whole epiphany And that's why I'm so excited. And that's where this pivot is coming after a year of really studying this and looking at this. But I feel like my whole journey up to this point has been leading to this. 
is that we're doing health all wrong, right? If we look around, what we know of health today is not working. So what is the answer? You know, in my own life, I was doing everything seemingly right. I was eating well. I was working out. I was doing what I knew I should be doing in order to achieve health. And yet at the same time, my health was gone. My health was leaving me. It was fleeting quicker than I could ever get it back. And as I pondered that and I started to recognize how many people had told me, I can't lose weight. I can't get healthy no matter how well I eat, no matter how much I exercise. These people who were doing seemingly everything right and they still weren't seeing results, weren't joking. Like that is the reality. And that's the reality that so many of us are faced with. We can attempt to make changes. We can attempt to go on another diet plan. We can attempt the next greatest thing or the next recommendation. We can have all the health things down right. But if we don't have this one component that's missing, nothing is going to work. And it all stems from the lies, right? We believe the lies that you have to beat your body to a pulp, you have to outsmart it, outthink it, and outwork it only to leave you crushed, frustrated, hopeless, and in worst cases, sick. And that's when this idea of rest-based living came in, which is a type of living that was intended for us. This is how life was supposed to be lived. It's not to live for health, It's not to chase health and to run it down and to be a number on the scale or to worry about what you're putting in your body or how much you're drinking. That's not the intent of life. Food is meant to give us life, but not to be our purpose in life. Health is the means in which we live our purpose. It's how we get there, not what we chase. And yet so many of us are a slave to our diet plan. We're a slave to it. We're obsessed with it. We talk about it. We roll it over in our minds. We restrict ourselves. We can't be in social situations because we're stuck in bondage to the diet and to the need to look a certain way. Because society has told us that we will never be enough until we reach a certain number or we look a certain way, which is so far from the truth. So to me, rest-based living became the answer, which is definitely different, but also not an excuse to be a couch potato but rather it's a paradigm shift in how we think about health, which ultimately changes how we act. Because remember, what we think is what we do, not what we wish we did. We do what we think, not what we wish. So how do we get there? The answer is having a basis. We have to start by having a foundation of true health and about a true belief about what health is and how your body works. I call this foundational health because without it, everything will crumble, right? We have all these pillars of health that people talk about all the time, but really without a firm foundation, without that centerpiece, it's never gonna last. And that's why 98% of all diets fail. Some even say there's not a diet on the market that will lurk long-term for anyone because nearly all of them are impossible to maintain. And who are we kidding, right? When you restrict, deprive, and starve yourself, eventually you're gonna give in. Eventually you're gonna be a rebel because we're all rebels at heart. You're gonna run to something else because- That better story, there's always going to be a better story that you're chasing. You have to create a better story in something outside the diet world because we chase a better story. And once we find that adventure, once we find our passion and our purpose outside of that, then we'll chase that instead of keep chasing the next magazine cover. So foundational health is really a view of health that is freedom. And diet plans and exercise programs are a sense of slavery. We're bonded to it. We're held captive to it, right? Health, by definition, is being free of something, being free of disease, being free of whatever. That is what health is defined as. It's freedom. But so few of us actually live with health as a means for freedom to do greater things. And the only way that we're ever going to achieve foundational health is having a view of purpose and passion of living for something more so that health becomes easy. 
So it's again, creating that better story of purpose and passion of living for something more and using health as a means to get there. And this makes health come easy. So it's again, not to live for health, but to use health to fully live. I'll say that again, not to live for health, but to use health to fully live. Because I promise if you are waiting to live, to do, to go, to be until you hit a certain size, you will never be there. You'll never be satisfied with a number. It won't happen. You have to find satisfaction in something greater. You have to fill the void with something greater. Food, exercise programs, working out, that will never work. There has to be some contentment in the now, but with a desire to continuously walk forward in life, not chained to a diet. And I like to believe that this is offering yourself grace, not excuses. Because the bottom line, your self-worth is not measured by how much kale you've eaten and how wide your thigh gap is. It's just not. And just like you need to stop measuring yourself by what you see in the mirror and instead value what you bring to the table. Because it's a foundation built on knowing where you came from and whose you are. A foundation built in hope of something greater and that is Christ. And through Christ, you have a call. That is the better story. Because then you can be the hands and the feet of Christ and his power becomes your power and you don't have to wait for health to get there. So how do we find that purpose and passion? How do we live for something more? How do we walk into that better story and we let go of health being our better story and instead we use health as a means to get there? Because the reality is health was born into all of us, right? If we look at our kids, health was born into them. They are very instinctual. They know when they're hungry and when they're not. Think of a baby, for instance, right? If you're bottle feeding a baby and the baby is full, it's just gonna push the bottle around in the mouth, try to get rid of it. It's not going to suck on the bottle unless it's hungry. Same goes for a baby that's hungry. It can happen in a matter of seconds and it's sleeping to all of a sudden starving and it needs food now. And you cannot console a baby until you feed it, right? No amount of pacifier sucking is going to console that baby if they are truly hungry. We were born with instincts to eat when we're hungry and stop when we're not. You can see it in toddlers as we foster this. It's just a matter of when we decided that our instinctual patterns were not good enough and instead we started following the worldly view of we have to be told when to drink, even though we're the only species in the world who has to be told to take a drink when we're thirsty. We have instincts inside of us, and we talked about those before. Those are our cravings, our hunger, things that can get out of check and showcase that your hormones are out of whack. But if we foster those, then health becomes easy as long as we listen to our body. Again, it's not living for health, but using health as a means to live. And if we can do that, it changes everything. But again, the only way that we can get there is changing the lives, getting rid of the lies, and changing our perspective of health, and fully, without a doubt, believing that your body is for you. In fact, your body wants health more than anything, and it's working daily to get that. Unfortunately, most of us just fall into survival mode, and so our body is literally just trying to maintain itself, and in most cases, that comes down to we start getting sick and we store excess body fat stores. So how do we achieve foundational health? I think it really just comes from understanding what you're living for, from understanding where you wanna go, what your heart's desire is, what brings you joy, and then asking yourself, are you fully living it? So you can stop and do that. And I'm no expert in helping you find your purpose or your passion, but I think that we all have it, right? Like that adventure, that better story. So I think just ask yourself a few questions, like what makes you go round? Where's your heart desire? What is your joy? And are you fully living it? And do you want more of that? Once you understand your purpose and your passion, you can focus on that rather than being strapped to your diet. And again, this can change everything and is the basis for what we call rest-based living. 
I also like to think of it as joy-based living, but apparently my husband doesn't think that sounds quite as classy. But joy-based living, rest-based living, basically the essence of both of these things is that you live life and you don't let life live you. Again, this idea came as I spent countless nights on my bathroom floor sobbing about the disaster that I had created for my life. During this time, I had gained 20 pounds and my energy was gone. I was barely functioning most days or functioning enough to present well, right? To play the good card to my friends and to the people out in the open only to melt down a few times on occasion in public. But generally, I played the well card only to crumble as soon as the kids hit their bed and most nights just going to bed well before I normally would, sleeping as long as I could. I was a mess most days and that's an understatement. But here's the thing, in most cases, I think we all are, especially if we don't let it out. We're gonna get into relationships later on because this is a key and critical component of rest-based living and just health in general. But just to give you the short version, I can tell you that strong, healthy relationships can actually be a leading factor in lasting health. In fact, there are some researchers who believe that anytime your marriage is on the rocks or you have a bad marriage, your health will automatically default to be the same. So the stronger your marriage, the healthier you're gonna be. The stronger your relationships with your friends, the healthier you're gonna be. But who are we getting? We all know that, right? Like when your marriage is struggling, you really don't feel as well, you're stressed. But again, that's a later show. For now, let's say focus on one thing. And the big thing that equates to over 50% of the equation of health and weight loss is stress. Stress is a thing that no one accounts for in health because it's not a simple number like calories in equals calories out. It can't be measured in a number, so they just throw it out because that was a good idea, right? Yet stress could be the most defining factor in health, maybe even more than how we eat and how much we exercise. Again, think about the person who is doing everything right and still not losing weight. It most likely always boils down to stress. Now, stress can come in many forms, like mental, emotional stress, physical stress, and environmental stress. Daily, our body is encountering external stresses as well as internal ones. This is not something new. It's how our body handles stress and how we handle stress and how much stress we can control and allow in our body. Even our emotions play into this. This, again, is why some scientists and researchers and counselors are studying how impactual a marriage is, a strong marriage is on health. And they're finding that emotions play a huge role in this, like that pit in your stomach when you kind of feel sick to your stomach because emotionally something is going on or um, you just feel it in your bones, right? That's a true physiological response. In fact, every cell in our body has emotional receptors to them. And so your emotions are gonna play a critical role in how your cells are performing. The bottom line is, is that your body is either stressed or it's not. There's really no in-between or 50 shades of gray. It's a yes or a no, and the longer the stress is there, the more it's gonna have an impact on your body. So just talking more about stress and how important this is in the body, over the last few years, scientists have picked up on the defining factor of stress and have found it to be one of the greatest indicators of longevity. So we can no longer blame our genes because really what they're finding is it boils down to stress and stress alone. Some say it is in fact the most important and yet most ignored factor driving the obesity epidemic. So what is stress? And I get that maybe we don't need to define it, but having an actual definition can maybe help us to overcome it. So the true definition of stress is any event or environmental demands internal demands or body tax that exceed the adapted resources of an individual. Basically, the more stress you have, the more you exhaust your resources and the quicker you see the consequences to that. 
That's why stress early on maybe doesn't affect you, but as you age or as the season of life continues to get worse, you can see more and more consequences develop from that. So what's so bad about stress? Just to be clear, stress in the short term is not a bad thing. Stress in the short term is actually a very good thing and very beneficial to our body. Again, it's a survival mechanism. Our body has very great and keen receptors to deal with this and handle this, and then it's over and done. However, this long-term stress that almost all of us are seeing daily is really detrimental to the body, and this is where we see negative pitfalls coming in time and time again. So here's a short scientific version of what stress does in the body and in a nutshell. Stress increases your cortisol levels in your body, which is your stress hormone. This increase of cortisol drives your body's need for sugar because in this, and when your body is stressed, it believes there's a need for energy. And so it looks for that in the quickest form, which is sugar. Once you have an increased desire for sugar in your body, this is obviously gonna start signaling hunger cues and makes you crave all the sugar because the reality is, is your body craves what it burns. And at this time in the point of stress, your body wants to burn sugar. And so therefore it will make you crave sugar. Once you eat it, then it raises your blood sugar, and if you don't need to burn it, it's gonna start storing it as fat. On the other hand, if you don't end up eating your cravings and you don't end up fulfilling that hunger signal, your body will still find a way to get sugar because it has to as a part of the survival mechanism. So it begins breaking down your body's own muscle mass, the very thing that's metabolically active, converting it to be burned or stored as body fat. Yikes is right. On top of this, a constant stress response makes your body more resistant to insulin, making it harder for your body to use glucose. This suppresses your HPA access, which causes all these hormonal imbalances to start flowing. And finally, whenever cortisol and insulin are high, your fat-burning hormones pretty much decrease. And when your fat hormones pretty much decrease, your fat-building hormones increase. So the bottom line, high stress means you're going to crave more sugar, you're going to decrease your body's ability to burn fat, you're going to increase your body fat stores, especially around your midsection, and increase the rate in which you store fat. No matter what, chronic stress is really a losing scenario, something our bodies were not designed for. And for most of us, it doesn't have to be this way. Let's take, for instance, diet and exercise because it's estimated that 60% of Americans are on some kind of diet at any given time. And while for most of us it sounds like a good thing, we have to understand that anytime we deprive, starve, or restrict ourselves, we automatically release a stress response. That includes cutting calories, eliminating macronutrients, and utilizing willpower, not to mention the people who are doing daily extreme workouts. This is all releasing a prolonged stress response that will eventually come back to bite you, Also why 98% of all diets fail every single time. Because our body can't sustain that long term and it will eventually all catch up. It's survival of the fittest. So let's take, for instance, a person that deprives themselves and then says they can get fat just looking at a piece of cake. I don't know if you've ever heard of anyone say that, but they'll joke around about it like I could look at that and gain weight, right? That actually is a true physiological response And it's greatly unfortunate, but it all has to do with our stress response to willpower. When we tell ourselves that we can't eat something and then we see it and we want it and we keep fighting that urge to eat it, that induces a stress response to the body. And once we see it and we start doing that, we start releasing cortisol, insulin spikes, and you start burning fat and you start building body fat via glucose. And you didn't even get a taste of cake. So what does this have to do with rest-based living? 
Rest-based living is simply a means to try to reduce the stress load on the body. While it's not possible to eliminate it, I hope that it at least teaches you measures to deal with it so it doesn't create the same consequences over and over and over again. I like to think that it's simply finding more enjoyment in life because once we can get past the busyness and the chaos and pushing and beating, we can then start to see freedom in that and start to see freedom in fully living. And using foundational health to live for something more, not live for health, but to use health as a means to live. This is not an excuse to be a couch potato, but an excuse to finally listen to your body and provide what it needs and nothing more. Remember, you are your own individual with unique needs. You are not like your friends or your coworkers or your husband. You have unique needs and those need to be honored. So we have to do this by creating a healthy and nourishing relationship with our body, with the food we eat, with our exercise program, and just taking, for instance, food. We have to stop defining food as good and bad and instead just look at how that food is fueling your body. We have to create an environment that is conducive to healing and rejuvenation, providing lasting energy and health without you having to be a slave to it. Health is supposed to come easy. Health is supposed to be simple It's not something that we should have to think about often and instead just something that we desire. And in that desire, it's just something we do. So how do we get there? How do we do this? Here are my top 10 ways to start practicing rest-based living. I have a download for you that you can take one thing a day and start doing this, which I'll talk about in a second. But here's my top 10. First one is to set up a morning routine statistically proven how you start your day is how you finish it and starting your day with breast-based living in mind. So doing things you enjoy, waking up well, being grateful, being thankful, you know, accepting love and sharing love and eating a good breakfast and getting yourself ready all without the rush of a clock can make all the difference, right? There's nothing worse than waking up after your alarm clock goes off, being late for your morning meeting, and it just seems like you're a frazzled hot mess for the rest of the day. So just setting up a simple morning routine and completing that every day, getting into the rhythm of that can really change how your day goes and change your level of stress. I have a handout on setting up your own morning routine as well as showcasing mine in a blog post, which I'll link in the show notes. Number two is know your why and your purpose. We have to learn to crave something greater. We have to learn to run to a different story. So we have to create the better story that's not health related, that's not weight loss related. We have to crave something better and that generally is a purpose, a passion, which often comes from loving, giving, whatever that is, is really being better or making the world a better place. Technically is one of the most healing things and I think it's something that we all crave in the human race. So knowing your why, understanding your purpose, and making that your focus rather than health. Number three is becoming self-aware. And I don't mean this to be selfish or to be prideful, but really becoming self-aware to know those triggers of your body. So those things that could get out of check, like your cravings, your hunger, your energy levels, uh, your skin, just kind of knowing your body and knowing what gives it energy and provides it life and what doesn't. So being self-aware when you need things, when you need to take a rest day, when you can push your body, um, just being self-aware. Number four is change your mind from you have to to you want to. Again, it's a paradigm shift. So whenever you start a diet, then it's like, oh, I can't drink that because my diet doesn't let me or I have to do this in order to get something, right? Instead of doing that, we just have to change our wording. We have to change our view of it. We have to desire it. We have to want it. 
And if we don't want it, it will never work and it will just induce a stress response in your body, which is physiologically damaging. So you have to change it to want it. I want to do this because then I feel better. So it's knowing your why. I want to do this so that I can be this. I want to do this so that it allows me to do that. So just changing your mind from have to to want to. Number five is declutter your environment. This is something that I've taken a year to do. I've decluttered her house. I've decluttered my closet. I went to that Project 333 with Courtney Carver. She was in the blog a while ago. It's one of my main passions behind the Nourish Planner is just helping people to simplify life, simplify my own life, creating space, space to think and be creative and just to rest and decompress for the day. We have to allow space. And unfortunately, in our fast-paced world with electronics everywhere and with our phone, it's so easy never to be alone and almost fear being alone. Instead, we need to embrace that. We need to embrace white space and accept that as healing. Number six is practice healthy rest-based living techniques like taking hot baths, reading books, taking leisure walks, gardening, sitting in a sauna, getting massages. There are so many things that are so healthy for our body that we look at as selfish or we can't do or it takes too much time, but are so healing. So something that I've done, my friend Heidi, who works on the planner with me, my partner in crime and that, we met over a year ago. And one of the things she does is she takes, she calls it a tub every night. Um, and it was just fascinating to me. I'm like, oh, how awesome. And I never thought I had time. Well, after I got sick, I started taking a shower every night. I took a hot shower every night, just helped me relax and kind of helped me settle down in my hot mess of a state. Um, and now I've slowly transitioned it to sometimes as a bath, sometimes as a shower. Um, now I started reading an hour a day. That's my new goal for right now. And it's just amazing to me what just setting down the phone in the fast paced world and trying to keep up with everyone and a social media envy and all this stuff going on and just setting it all aside and just creating that space to heal, to rejuvenate your mind, to be creative and to drive your passions forward. Um, so I can't recommend that enough. It could be an hour a day. It could be a half an hour a day. It could be a quick 10 minute shower. Mine started out a 10 minute shower and now it's like an hour of reading, which I do while I'm putting the kids to bed and um, which I think is great for them to see as well. And then I take a hot bath out of that. So it turns into a little bit longer, but it is so healing and rejuvenating and I get so much more done now. Which brings me to number seven, focus on movement rather than intensity. I'm an ex-fitness instructor. I still like to think that I have that a part of me. I have that desire to push people and to help make them better. But I now I recognize the need for rest within that intensity. So as opposed to just going out and beating my body and pushing through the pain and thinking that the only way I'm gonna build muscle and become better is to push through pain, right? Like no pain, no gain. However, what I'm learning is movement is gonna be far better than intensity. It's not saying that you can't use intensity. I think having some high intensity workouts built in throughout your week is great, but definitely not an everyday thing. For me, what I found a good rhythm is three to four higher intensity, but shorter sessions. So less than 30 minute sessions of higher intensity body weight movements. And then just a couple days and every other day, I just do a continuous walk, you know, or maybe a light run or whatever I'm really feeling in that time. But rarely I just focus on moving more. So having a pedometer or having a Fitbit that tells you steps and focusing on that rather than intensity has really done a world of difference for my body. Number eight is learning to say no. It's okay to not be everything to everyone. And in fact, if you try to do it, it will break you too. I can promise eventually it will break you or it will just make you miserable that you wish you couldn't. 
you see the people around, right? Who are living life, who are doing things they want, who are making a difference in the world. And all of them, all of them, all successful people in anything, in business and life and mothering and raising a family and health, all of them have known their why and their passion so much that they were allowed to say no to all the things that didn't align with where they wanted to go. It's okay to say no because saying no means you can say yes to things that align with where you want to go and yes to things that you are really good at and really passionate about. Honestly, this could change everything for you and it changed everything for me and my productivity and understanding my passion and raising my family. It's okay to say no and it's okay not to keep up with everyone else. Number nine, Take risk and be adventurous. I think inside each one of us, we wanna be adventurous. That's creating that better story. We wanna do something big. We wanna create an adventure, create change. We wanna love other people. So take risks, be adventurous. Don't do the same thing all the time. Don't be strapped so much to your schedule or to your work that you can't get out and live. There's so much life to be lived and we only have this life to live it. So get out and live. Say no to work. Say no to your to-do list for a day a week. Take a day off. Live the Sabbath. Live a day of rest. This is critical for you and something that in the end will make you so much more productive the rest of the week. And number 10, have healthy relationships. So get rid of toxic relationships. Foster relationships with friends that build you up. The biggest one is if you're in a marriage, take time to foster that and heal that and rejuvenate that and bring it to life because that is one of the biggest defining factors of your overall health. Try to create great relationships with your kids. Obviously, you're still a parent. Create great relationships with your friends. I mean, your friends are people who can build you up and encourage you and push you maybe in different ways than even your spouse can. And those relationships are critical. So really taking time to get rid of toxic relationships, relationships that are causing you envy or pulling you down or making you or enabling you to make poor decisions and instead start fostering relationships that are really gonna build you up and encourage you and push you. This is something I feel like my whole friend structure has changed this year. And at first I was like, God, like, what are you doing to me? But I think he's just showcasing who is really there and who I can rely on and who can build me up and encourage and push me and who really isn't and who I need to let go of and who has caused me envy and who's held me back in ways maybe they don't even know. And it's no harm to them, but it's really just what you need in that time. And your friend structure can change, but really just setting that basis up. It doesn't have to be a lot of friends. You don't have to be friends with 500 people that you are on Facebook, but just having a few people who can really build you up. Healthy relationships. We're gonna talk more about it in another podcast because that is a critical step in health. The bottom line is we have to stop beating our body into submission. We have to stop pushing through the pain and stop believing that calories and over-exercising are going to change you. They are not. Sure, you can push yourself. It takes work. But the end goal is that you enjoy doing both of those things because you see them in a new way and with a new value. I can promise this way of living, of rest-based living, of asking for help, not trying to be everything, and instead honoring what you are can change everything. Understanding that you are enough right now and that you have a great story to live and don't let hell stop you. In my own life, I'm slowly beginning to dig myself out of my sickness. I have more zeal and passion for life, more energy and excitement to be adventurous. I have a better marriage and relationship with my kids. Honestly, everything has really started to change. But most importantly, it was the foundation of faith that pulled me through and that foundational health based in faith that has kept me going and that will make this last for life. Don't get me wrong. There are days that are hard and there are still hard seasons. But I know my limits, 
And through that, high-stress situations don't tend to affect my body as much because my mindset and my view of them have changed. Again, it's all about the environment in which we create to grow and expand and live this life. So with that, I've created a list of 25 things you can do over the next month to help you uncover your own way to practice joy-based living. Just one thing a day and find your groove and help you finally achieve lasting health and in that happiness and joy in the everyday. None of those things are things we can seek or strive for. They're things that we have to live. My friend, my hope is that you can believe it today and that you can believe your body is enough. It's smart enough, it's well enough, and it's beautiful enough to live the life you were born to live. A great way to keep yourself on track is to be aware of your biofeedback markers like hunger, cravings, GI issues, moodiness, energy, and if any of them get out of check, then stop and recognize what you're doing isn't working. What needs to go? What can you do to help take that load off your body? If you don't, eventually it will all catch up with you and please learn from my mistake. You don't wanna get too far into that pit because it takes a while to get out of it. But I hope my story just goes to show that you're not alone in this journey. And in the coming months, I'm gonna continue to help you along this process. And of course, would love to hear from you in your own journey. You can always leave me a message in the comment section of the show notes or shoot me an email. There is great power in a healthy community and accountability to encourage you on this journey. And remember, I'm always here for you. Lifestyle plays a huge role in overall health and let us create that change in lifestyle. Let us be the army that rises up to change the way that we do health. And man, how exciting to actually enjoy the life that you live. I feel like joy is missing and joy isn't something we strive for, but something we live daily. It's a way of life, not a goal. And that means it's just one choice away. So put a smile on your face, head on over to the show notes, download that free checklist of 25 ways to practice rest-based living each day this month, and let's start a new trend in health. One that's actually enjoyable. So here's a good health, and remember, if you're needing a quick jump start and pick-me-up, I just released the five-day hormonal reset that doesn't just take into account diet and exercise, but is the total picture of rest-based living and a clear plan, and you can find all the information over in the show notes at simplerootswellness.com slash 049. I've had many people travel through this and the testimonies are amazing. Those five days can make a big impact in your overall health. I know it sounds so simple and it's just five days, but I promise it can change everything. So check that out again at the show notes. That's a five-day hormonal reset. Next week is episode 50. I can't believe I've been podcasting for over a year with 50 shows. We have something really special planned and we can't wait for you to be a part of it. So stay tuned, watch the email, subscribe if you haven't already, and stay tuned for what's to come. You guys are going to want to be a part of this. I'll see you next week.